0: Chapter One of the Ministry of Intercession by Andrew Murray. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Christopher Smith. The Lack of Prayer Ye have not, because ye ask not. James chapter four, verse two. And he saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Isaiah chapter fifty nine, verse sixteen there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee isaiah chapter sixty four verse seven at our last wellington convention for the deepening of the spiritual life in april the forenoon meetings were devoted to prayer and intercession great blessing was found both in listening to what the word teaches of their need and power and enjoining in continued united supplication. Many felt that we know too little of persevering importunate prayer, and that it is indeed one of the greatest needs of the church. During the past two months I have been attending a number of conventions. At the first, a Dutch missionary conference at L'Anglate, prayer had been chosen as the subject of the addresses. At the next, at Johannesburg, a brother in business gave expression to his deep conviction that the great want of the church of our day was more of the spirit and practice of intercession. A week later we had a Dutch ministerial conference in the Free State where three days were spent, after two days' services in the congregation on the work of the Holy Spirit, in considering the relation of the spirit to prayer. At the ministerial meetings held at most of the succeeding conventions we were led to take up the subject and everywhere there was the confession we pray too little and with this there appeared to be a fear that with the pressure of duty and the force of habit it was almost impossible to hope for any great change i cannot say what a deep impression was made upon me by these conversations most of all by the thought that there should be anything like hopelessness on the part of god's servants as to the prospect of an entire change being effected and real deliverance found from a failure which cannot but hinder our own joy in god and our power in his service and i prayed god to give me words that might not only help to direct attention to the evil but specially that might stir up faith and waken the assurance that god by his spirit will enable us to pray as we ought let me begin for the sake of those who have never had their attention directed to the matter by stating some of the facts that prove how universal is the sense of shortcoming in this respect last year there appeared a report of an address to ministers by dr white of free st george's edinburgh in that he said that as a young minister he had thought that of the time he had over from pastoral visitation he ought to spend as much as possible with his books in his study he wanted to feed his people with the very best he could prepare for them but he had now learned that prayer was of more importance than study he reminded his brethren of the election of deacons to take charge of the collections that the twelve might give themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word and said that at times when the deacons brought him his salary he had to ask himself whether he had been as faithful in his engagement as the deacons had been to theirs he felt as if it were almost too late to regain what he had lost and urged his brethren to pray more what a solemn confession and warning from one of the high places we pray too little during the regent square convention two years ago the subject came up in conversation with a well-known london minister he urged that if so much time must be given to prayer it would involve the neglect of the imperative calls of duty there is the morning post before breakfast with ten or twelve letters which must be answered then there are committee meetings waiting with numberless other engagements more than enough to fill up the day it is difficult to see how it can be done my answer was in substance that it was simply a question of whether the call of god for our time and attention was of more importance than that of man if god was waiting to meet us and to give us blessing and power from heaven for his work It was a short-sighted policy to put other work in the place which God and waiting on him should have. At one of our ministerial meetings, the superintendent of a large district put the case thus. I rise in the morning and have half an hour with God in the word and prayer in my room before breakfast. I go out and am occupied all day with a multiplicity of engagements. I do not think many minutes elapse without my breathing a prayer for guidance or help. After my day's work, I return in my evening devotions and speak to God of the day's work. But of the intense, definite, importunate prayer of which Scripture speaks, one knows little. What, he asked, must I think of such a life? We all know the difference between a man whose profits are just enough to maintain his family and keep up his business, and another whose income enables him to extend the business and to help others. There may be an earnest Christian life in which there is prayer enough to keep us from going back and just maintain the position we have attained to, without much of growth in spirituality or Christlikeness. The attitude is more defensive, seeking to ward off temptation, than aggressive, reaching out after higher attainment. If there is indeed to be a going from strength to strength with some large experience of God's power to sanctify ourselves and to bring down real blessing on others, there must be more definite and persevering prayer. The scripture teaching about crying day and night, continuing steadfastly in prayer, watching unto prayer being heard for his importunity must in some degree become our experience if we are really to be intercessors at the very next convention the same question was put in somewhat different form i am the head of a station with a large outlying district to care for i see the importance of much prayer and yet my life hardly leaves room for it are we to submit or tell us how we can attain to what we desire i admitted that the difficulty was universal i recalled the words of one of our most honoured south african missionaries now gone to his rest he had the same complaint in the morning at five the sick people are at the door waiting for medicine at six the printers come and i have to set them to work and teach them at nine the school calls me and till late at night i am kept busy with a large correspondence in my answer i quoted a dutch proverb what is heaviest must weigh heaviest must have the first place the law of god is unchangeable as on earth so in our traffic with heaven we only get as we give unless we are willing to pay the price and sacrifice time and attention and what appear legitimate or necessary duties for the sake of the heavenly gifts we need not look for a large experience of the power of the heavenly world in our work the whole company present joined in the sad confession it had been thought over and mourned over times without number and yet somehow There they were, all these pressing claims, and all the ineffectual resolves to pray more barring the way. I need not now say to what further thoughts our conversation led. The substance of them will be found in some of the later chapters in this volume. Let me call just one more witness. In the course of my journey I met with one of the Cowley fathers who had just been holding retreats for clergy of the English church. I was interested to hear from him the line of teaching he follows in the course of conversation he used the expression the distraction of business and it came out that he found it one of the great difficulties he had to deal with in himself and others of himself he said that by the vows of his order he was bound to give himself specially to prayer but he found it exceedingly difficult every day he had to be at four different points of the town he lived in his predecessor had left him the charge of a number of committees where he was expected to do all the work it was as if everything conspired to keep him from prayer all this testimony surely suffices to make clear that prayer has not the place it ought to have in our ministerial and christian life that the shortcoming is one of which all are willing to make confession AND THAT THE DIFFICULTIES IN THE WAY OF DELIVERANCE ARE SUCH AS TO MAKE A RETURN TO A TRUE AND FULL PRAYER LIFE ALMOST IMPOSSIBLE. BLESSED BE GOD, THE THINGS THAT ARE IMPOSSIBLE WITH MEN ARE POSSIBLE WITH GOD. GOD IS ABLE TO MAKE ALL GRACE ABOUND TOWARD YOU, THAT YE ALWAYS, HAVING ALL SUFFICIENCY IN ALL THINGS, MAY ABOUND TO ALL GOOD WORK. Do let us believe that God's call to much prayer need not be a burden and cause of continual self-condemnation. He means it to be a joy. He can make it an inspiration, giving us strength for all our work and bringing down his power to work through us in our fellow-men. Let us not fear to admit to the full the sin that shames us and then to face it in the name of our mighty Redeemer. The light that shows us our sin and condemns us for it will show us the way out of it, into the life of liberty that is well-pleasing to God. If we allow this one matter, unfaithfulness in prayer, to convict us of the lack in our Christian life which lies at the root of it, God will use the discovery to bring us not only the power to pray that we long for, but the joy of a new and healthy life of which prayer is the spontaneous expression. And what is now the way by which our sense of the lack of prayer can be made the means of blessing, the entrance on a path in which the evil may be conquered? How can our intercourse with the Father in continual prayer and intercession become what it ought to be if we and the world around us are to be blessed? As it appears to me, we must begin by going back to God's word, to study what the place is God means prayer to have in the life of his child and his church a fresh sight of what prayer is according to the will of god of what our prayers can be through the grace of god will free us from those feeble defective views in regard to the absolute necessity of continual prayer which lie at the root of our failure as we get an insight into the reasonableness and rightness of this divine appointment and come under the full conviction of how wonderfully it fits in with God's love and our own happiness we shall be freed from the false impression of its being an arbitrary demand we shall with our whole heart and soul consent to it and rejoice in it as the one only possible way for the blessing of heaven to come to earth all thought of task and burden of self-effort and strain will pass away in the blessed faith that as simple as breathing is in the healthy natural life will praying be in the Christian life that is led and filled by the Spirit of God? As we occupy ourselves with and accept this teaching of God's Word on prayer, we shall be led to see how our failure in the prayer life was owing to failure in the spirit life. Prayer is one of the most heavenly and spiritual of the functions of the spirit life. How could we try or expect to fulfil it so as to please God except as our soul is in perfect health and our life truly possessed and moved by God's Spirit? The insight into the place God means prayer to take and which it can only take in a full Christian life will show us that we have not been living the true, the abundant life and that any thought of praying more and effectually will be vain except as we are brought into a closer relation to our blessed lord jesus christ is our life christ liveth in us in such reality that his life of prayer on earth and of intercession in heaven is breathed into us in just such measure as our surrender and our faith allow and accept it Jesus Christ is the healer of all diseases, the conqueror of all enemies, the deliverer from all sin. If our failure teaches us to turn afresh to him and find in him the grace he gives to pray as we ought, this humiliation may become our greatest blessing. Let us all unite in praying God that he would visit our souls and fit us for that work of intercession which is at this moment the greatest need of the church and the world it is only by intercession that the power can be brought down from heaven which will enable the church to conquer the world let us stir up the slumbering gift that is lying unused and seek to gather and train and band together as many as we can to be god remembrances and to give him no rest till he makes his church a joy in the earth Nothing but intense believing prayer can meet the intense spirit of worldliness of which complaint is everywhere made. End of chapter one.